Today, we're going to talk about recruiting, what works and what hasn't when trying to bring great accounting talent into your firm. All of that during a time when most people believe we're having one of the steepest declines in available workers in our industry's history. So was already considered one of the most challenging aspects of running a firm, might even be more difficult in today's current state. People, how do we reach them? How do we vet them? And hopefully, how do we get them to join each, each of our own merry band of accountants? So all of that here today on Drink What You Think, the happy hour discussion where a couple of guys talk about the weird ways we are building our firms. I'm your host, Kenji, here alongside with my trusty co-host, Whoa, 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 wait, it's not Matthew, not Matthew, it's Roman, Roman Vilar is here from Full Send Finance, the very, very good news about this is he's also a guy who likes to build his firm in weird ways, so Roman, since Matthew's not here, can you step in and do the job of announcing who today's sponsor is? I should be able to help with that, thank you. Today's episode is sponsored by Not Matthew, Bullsend Finance, a firm out of Boulder, Colorado, building their firm also in very weird ways. How does that? <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, dude. Oh my gosh, you crushed it. Matthew is going to be in some trouble here uh, because we might just have, I mean, he may have to get replaced as, as a host. Uh, no, thanks for being on, brother. Really appreciate you being on. Um, let's get right on the top. What are you drinking today on this fine Friday? Today, so as we record, I'm in San Diego, California, and so I got a local San Diego brew from Mission Brewing nice. called Waves of Haze, a hazy IPA coming in at 6.2%. Ooh, I like that. Okay, we're on the same vibe here, and also a big thanks goes to you, because I've also got a hazy, hazy IPA. It is the Flatiron Fog. You see that one? And this is from Four Noses out near you, right? Out in the Broomfield area, right? So uh, pretty pumped about this. This one's coming in at 6.5% as well. It's a it's a full pint. I gave a little extra on that. So uh, gotta love, love, gotta love that. And look at me, we've been doing that. Matthew makes fun of me and my fancy four here. Oh, just so folks who are watching the video all <laughs> can, can see the, the beauty, the majesty of the, and then, um, ooh, oh, that's nice. I can tell already. I assume you've had this beer before, Roman. I have. I have. And that beer has traveled many miles to get to where it's at now. <laughs> yeah. I have to judge so, my pour. Cheers. Nice. Cheers, brother. Um, mm. Ooh, well worth the many miles. That's nice. That's nice. All right. Before we get into our topic today, and we did mention us, us, both of us being kind of weirdos. Um, give everybody, people are probably like, if they haven't heard of you and Full Send, which may be rare at this point. Um, Full Send, that's a strange, weird name for an accounting firm. What gives there, man? How in the world? Give us the quick story on Full Send, and then we'll jump into some recruiting. Gosh, uh, boy. So Full Send, if you're not familiar with the term, if people haven't heard the term, um, it effectively means like you're 100% committed. You are all in. 
And it's a term that originates from largely adventure sports. So skiing, mountain biking, surfing, things like that. And I'm a big skier. I really enjoy that. And so oftentimes when you're at the top of a mountain, somebody might say, hey, send it or go full send. And when they say that, like, you go, you're all in, you're committed. And when I was looking for a firm name, I just wanted to have something that not only connected with with me and kind of like how I live, but also with the target market, um, not only from a client perspective, but also a people perspective from a recruiting uh, side of things. And so it really just connected with me. I knew that the youths uh, said that that term a lot. And so I don't know, I just wanted to like introduce a stoke factor to the accounting world. And uh, it's been a lot of fun, but certainly weird in comparison to many. <laughs> I, I love it. I, I love it. There's definitely some stoke factor to it. We certainly need more of that in the profession. And uh, and hopefully, you know, uh, I think back 20 years ago, the name when we started Acuity, Acuity is like, well, that doesn't sound like an accounting firm. It still doesn't really, but like full sand really sounds like the next iteration of like, okay, it's actually describing something. So I think it's cool seeing that to where it's not just, you know, Vilar and Kuramoto LLC or something like that, or, or PC or whatever the heck they used to be called. Yeah. So it's cool. Great hearing that. Um, and, and again, if you haven't checked out Roman stuff, you got to go check out Full Send. You can see them on LinkedIn a bunch there too. But let's get into recruiting. Um, it is a funky time right now. I mean, where there's a lot of news stories people love to talk about. Like, you can't hire people. It's just impossible. There's no one out there. And there's certainly some numbers in the industry showing that man, there's some declining rates of people coming through maybe the traditional ways that you and I did through accounting programs at universities. Uh, those certainly are down. But, you know, and, and again, maybe there's some, maybe there's other ways. I think you and I have, have team members who are not just here coming out of the American college school system. So there's ways maybe around that. But like probably despite all that debate, it's hard. It's hard, especially when we're getting started and going, like getting getting team members to join us. So um, I noticed y'all have been around for a little over a year now. Is that right? Yeah, coming on two years here in a couple years? of months. Okay, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and it feels to me at times, I remember it being even more challenging when you're kind of smaller like that, like who in the world's going to join, <laughs> join me when we're just, you know, just getting going. But I noticed that um, a few months back on LinkedIn, you went out and posted, you and Stacy, uh, your partner in, in Fulson, uh, kind of posted on LinkedIn, like, all right, we're going to go out there and we're looking for people to kind of join. And so um, maybe tell me a little bit about how you started the recruiting, because I, it looked like... I actually went and was like, oh, maybe I'll sneakily try to go and apply just so I can see the process. And it looked like it kind of, it, it, it kind of, you may have changed things up. It looked like you almost had a microsite stood up at least at one point for like where to apply yeah. to. Um, there's just some interesting things I noticed about that. But maybe tell me at least how, when you got to the point of realizing you need somebody, what did that look like in building out a bit of a recruiting funnel and reaching out? Yeah, it's a it's a good question because we had no idea where to start before jumping into it. And mm -hmm. uh, our first uh, hire or second hire, I suppose, uh, stateside was our director of accounting. And that was just through relationships. We never posted anything publicly. And we had already had a number of folks in our connection reach out to us to 
establish kind of a framework of a pipeline for folks to hire right. when we needed them. So that was really helpful starting point. Um, mm -hmm. And then the post that you're referencing. So we got to a point where we decided we've kind of maxed out the folks that have inbounded to us and we want to cast a wider net and see what is available externally. And in Colorado, Colorado's um, a salary or wage um, transparent state. And so we have to post yep. a, a wage for for employees that uh, work for us. And so we had to come up with a salary, we had to come up with a job description, we had to come up with what what is somebody going to do here in this small company where they are inevitably going to wear a lot of hats, which is very hard to describe. <laughs> um, ultimately, we wanted to kind of bring people into our environment. And so we stood up a like full... Uh, application page on our own um, in order to kind of bring them into our environment that that would hopefully lead them into our website. Um, reason for that is like the experience of somebody applying on LinkedIn or applying via a job posting website is not going to be as, uh, I don't know, personal as yeah. going through our own channels. And so we did that. We included very specific rules. The very last line item on the job description was, hey, if you're interested, send us an email with this as a subject line and then include a video uh, talking about what your full send is. And so that very quickly allowed us to um, just toss to the side a number of applications that didn't actually follow the right criteria. Oh, wow. Okay. So I what I asked because I didn't even think that that you were going to that level of intentionality, but I should have known you and Stacy uh, that you would. And so that was a very conscious choice to say, hey, listen, we want the journey of even applying for the job to be reflective of who full send is. And so, I mean, again, I hadn't even thought about that. You go through the typical, everybody kind of goes through LinkedIn or through, you know, one of the different, one of the different job sites, indeed, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And so to that process of creating your own kind of page or front end to do that was that was that challenging or is it like not not as big of a deal as people would probably imagine no it, it was very quick and that's because we have a back-end infrastructure built on notion and so notion yeah. allows us to very quickly stand up uh, internally and or externally facing pages and so we didn't have to build a completely new web page on our website it was simply just toggling a button on our notion page that already contained our job description and so like we believe Notion is a phenomenal tool to build internal infrastructure upon. And so would certainly recommend anybody to do that. Um, but it didn't take a whole lot of additional effort. Yeah. yeah I, I noticed that when I saw it, when I, when I went through and tried to apply, I went back and looked at that post and found it. I was like, okay, I'm going to go through and try to apply. And the Notion page had been taken down. I saw that you built that there. That's, that's awesome. Um, do you happen to remember kind of any kind of high level, just rough stats on like, okay, did you guys, I mean, did you guys get just swarmed with them? Did you get a few that came through? What was it like? I mean, when you open that up, did you, you know, just in the initial rounds of people applying? Yeah, it was interesting. So we, we also po posted the role on LinkedIn, right? So as a kind of a reference to the, the posting on our notion board, um, we probably had 40 or 60 applicants in total on LinkedIn over the course of maybe five days when we shut it down, uh, maybe three yeah. days. And so we shut it down. Of those 40 or 50 that applied on LinkedIn, we had maybe seven to 10 videos, video applications. So that yeah. automatically reduced our population of hiring considerably. Yeah. Of those seven to 10 that applied via videos, I would say 
three of them were from international candidates and were actually quite impressive, but we weren't hiring internationally for this role. But also our individuals that have gone onto a list of, hey, when we hire in the future, these could be great individuals. Um, so we ended up going through uh, several rounds of interviews with about five different candidates for the position. But what stood out to me was being able to see in the video process, our question was, hey, what's your full send? And we would right. describe that a little bit. What makes you come alive? What do you enjoy doing? And we had all kinds of answers that were just awesome, awesome answers. And so that really helped us get a sense of like the type of people that were applying, which is really fun. That's that's amazing. That's 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 awesome to hear that. Um, did uh, you know what I also remember about the post that stood out to me was you kind of described a little bit of what who wasn't the right candidate. Um, I'll, I remember very clearly at the top of the post, it said, this is not for the typical CPA, right? And then you didn't, certainly didn't do it in a negative way. It kind of actually went into some fun things or like, here's who yeah. you are. If you enjoy taking a break and being able to go, you know, do some fun things. Um, maybe say more about that, um, where it certainly wasn't, you know, it, I mean, maybe how did you come up with those, like, you know, those kind of ways to say, hey, we want the candidates to have a sense of who, who we're really looking for. And the fact, I think you went a little bit counter uh, uh, of what I see in most job postings, like, hey, here's who we're not going to be, but here's also who we're looking for. A lot of it was not about really strong, technical, crazy accounting. It was kind of the person that we're hoping for. You know, it's a, it's a hard question to answer because on one hand, and I'll be 100% truthful about this. On one hand, it's about how do I generate enough eyeballs to get people to even see this? Like, to be completely honest, like social media is great for that to get awareness about something that's that's happening in your company. So in that post specifically, like I want to lean into the things culture-wise, uh, people-wise right. of how we talk to our team to say, hey, we want to make you come alive on the things that you love because more often or I believe that at the end, at the end of the day, whatever the day is, they're not going to look at you and say, oh, you were a great accountant. And, and a lot of that, you know, kind of stems from thinking from John Garrett. If you're familiar with John Garrett, his book, What's Garrett, Your And? Of course. Very yeah. similar philosophically, right? Of like, I'm probably not going to be remembered as a good accountant. And so how do we, how do we evoke that type of um, passion of, that people feel personally for things and, and make them feel like that they can come alive through that within their profession and within working with a company yeah. that allows them to lean into those things. And so there are things like unlimited PTO and ways that we've allocated funds to help team members explore those things. So I want to highlight those while also retaining a degree of professionalism as well as sure. expectations technically for team members that is also kind of ancillary to that specific post. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's actually, I think that's well described because there is, I think as firms, we think about this, you call it casting a net, right? We're moving, we're starting to move outside of our networks to where, oh, so-and-so can just recommend someone. And I think we've, as you get going, it doesn't take too long for us to really uh, run through our own networks, no matter how big they are and say, we got to cast a wider net is, is just thinking about how do we attract those eyeballs? It is, it's a messy environment out there to get people to look at something and really see it and stand out. Some of the numbers I've had to explore this for other reasons, not just recruiting, um, but it kind of blown me away. 
And it looks like I think the number we came up with, and some of this is some estimates, but of the number of people who work in the accounting profession globally, I think it's between seven and eight million globally, right? It's a lot of people. So there's a lot of people where you were trying to capture and then vet and then figure out where they fit. And so, but not only that, just in the US alone, um, I think you and I were together when we heard some of this uh, information from Intuit. They've got great data on this stuff about the number of accounting firms in the US. I think technically there's like around 700, 800,000. Now, a lot of those, a whole bunch of them are individual people. I think it really, the numbers come out to be about around, I call it 130,000 firms just in the US. So mm-hmm. you just think about that, like, okay, wait, there's 8 million people out there. Most of them are, almost all of them are employed these days. It's hard to find an accountant who's not. And then here we are battling just in the US with another 100 and 30,000 firms to stand out a bit. I mean, there is certainly something we have to do with the post. It's still in the post out there. I'm looking for an accounting manager, right? That's not going to attract the eyeballs you want. So it sounds like that was an important aspect of at least. It it, it was um, because I think there are individuals who work at firms, even firms that we're connected to that kind of feel like they're stuck and feel like they just aren't capable of kind of living the type of life that they want to. And I'm a believer that that can be achieved within the environment that we're building, you know, within within reason. And so on one hand, I want to make sure that we have enough reach to to create opportunity for those people that feel like they may be a little bit stuck. Uh, but then also if it's coming from a friendly firm, we want to help encourage those firm owners to start thinking a little bit differently too. Right. Um, but it's it's amazing because some of the folks that applied, there's one that stuck out, stuck out to me, a gentleman that applied from the Philippines. He submitted a video, like perfect submission. And uh, his video was awesome. Like he had a full backpack. He had a like flat bill hat. And he's like, oh, I go full send with kayaking. And I was like, this guy gets it. Like he understood the ethos behind what we're trying to do from like his personal fulfillment standpoint. And I was just like, ah, oh, that is awesome. I couldn't That's care. Awesome. I couldn't care at all where any anywhere in the world that somebody is sitting, like if they display that passion for something personally and like really love it, I, I think a lot of that bleeds over to their willingness to build and grow and develop themselves professionally. Yeah. And I think the the accounting, the stuff that typically and we're I think we're probably guilty if I were to look through our job descriptions that are out there. We're probably a little bit different. I know we've got some of those, hey, here's who we're not looking for, but a lot of it is around the technical skills, and certainly you have to have those. But I think we viewed those, I don't know if you, as kind of table stakes, right? That we, sure. We're going to come and test for that. We're going to make sure you've got it because we. It's not. this is not going to work out very long if you don't have those, even if you have the right um, you know, values that are aligned and, and you may be a great add to our culture. Um, is you got to have at least the table stakes to be able to do the work. But as I think back about my... 20 years at Acuity, and only it's been a while since I was out working on clients. It was pretty rare in my accounting profession in general that I was commended on my Excel skills or my <laughs> that boy, you crushed that journal entry. That thing's that thing was ooh, that month end close was tight. I mean, we had to, we certainly had to get those things done, but it was always in, you know, if I ever did get complimented, it was in, you know, for things like, hey, thanks for just being helpful. Thanks for being understanding. Yeah. Thanks for listening or going the extra mile. It was not really technical. And so 
Uh, that that's what makes it, I think, actually difficult. I mean, the skills piece we can usually assess pretty quick, but how do you get the? How do you get? Boy, is this person going to flourish in an environment? It, it's so interesting you bring that up because throughout this specific interview process or hiring process that you're alluding to for us, I I got schooled pretty quick uh, after like a day of having our post uh, live on LinkedIn. I got a LinkedIn message from an individual who said, "Hey." I don't have an accounting degree, which was listed as a requirement for the role. However, I think I would be a good candidate beside, uh, because of X, Y, and Z. Also, based on what I've seen on your website and your culture and your ethos and your values, I feel like that's not inclusive to have that as a requirement for the role. Hmm. And, I, and on one hand, I was like, ooh, like that was bold. But on the other hand, <laughs> I was like, you know, this person's right. You know, if, if somebody is qualified and doesn't have an accounting degree, I shouldn't. I shouldn't exclude them. And all, then I came to realize our director of accounting doesn't have a formal accounting degree, but she's one of the best accountants I've ever worked with. And so yeah, that led yeah. to going through a formal interview process and bringing this individual into our office. And she was awesome. She was fantastic. Not the right fit for the role at the time in which we needed it, but certainly somebody that I could envision bringing on board at a later date because her skill set and the systems that she's familiar with and how she thinks and her ability to speak up when she sees something that could probably be better was something that we were really impressed by. And so when you think about those accounting skills you're talking about, it's like, huh, like that's, it's really interesting to think about that relative to a hiring process. That is, I love that story because I would imagine, again, I was, I, I was attracted to the, to the, most things I just, it found, it compelled me even. Um, but I'm certain as, as compelling as it was, you probably had some things like requirements of like, yes, it has to have an accounting degree. I think all of, I would imagine that, I mean, well over 99% of us posting up there say our accounting degree is required. And I've been the same way too, Roman, where but on stages up there saying, yeah, there's some fundamental problems with the accounting programs today. And there I am still keeping that in there as a requirement. Um, and so I love the fact that there was probably something in the posting that maybe hopefully made that person feel safe to kind of come out and say and challenge. And the fact that you brought them in and listened and like said, huh, that's going to change our way of thinking. That's phenomenal. That, that's the kind of stuff we need. Even I think as weird guys like us trying to make changes in firms, we still are a little bit hung up with like, oh, well, mm -hmm. you still had to go through the same intro and intermediate accounting that me and Roman did like, no, maybe not. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. A, we did take down that requirement that same day from the posting, but B, I, I think about a keynote that Chad Davis did at bridging the gap last year. And he, he structured the entire conversation around one of his employees that I believe was a bartender or something like that prior to joining his firm. And now that that individual at his firm runs his like technology or like back-end tech stack and he's an IT wizard and like that individual doesn't have a background in IT like yeah Chad and the team taught him he learned he leaned into areas and so those prerequisites of how we traditionally think about roles I think can be barriers to entry for a lot of great people that could fit into these roles really well that's a great it's something I think I'm going to go back and take ours and challenge that I think other firm owners should think about that too there are ways that we can describe the needs in that role, we need the abilities we need to have without having to lean back on the easy things of like, oh, well, you know, did you work in public accounting or do you have a CPA or did you have a degree in accounting? Because you're right, there's some, some of the most talented people I know in our profession. I think of uh, 
my partner, Patty Sharf, like her original major was like in Chinese, like right Chinese language, right? And she's she's brilliant, right? And you can see that in the way like yeah. How do you go and learn Chinese, right? Or or Blake Oliver, you know, who was a concert cellist, like in music. And so I think it was really, really good example to the private sitting right in front of all of us of people who went the non-traditional route that actually really excel. And are probably maybe needed more in the types of modern firms that many of us are trying to build. We probably need that a bit more, that expansive thinking that, that isn't so binary in the way that accounting programs are typically taught. So I think that's a great idea for many people who are posting out there or looking and saying, hey, take that requirement off. Be a little more thoughtful about how you're writing that initial, you're, you're building that net to cast out there. Make sure it's wide enough. Make sure it's unique enough. Make sure it speaks there. But like, you're not also putting some limitations on it that may be unnecessary um, yeah. for sure. That's interesting. We've had... You know, I don't remember where it was, Roman, but we've we've had our job description. We typically we keep ours up all the time. We're kind of in a size to where it's interesting phenomenon. We just keep our post, most of our posting just up and live. Now we've gotten to a point. We had a point to where we needed to bring in some real HR talent, and we actually got way too big. A friend of mine, she's wonderful. She she has an HR advisory firm. And I was telling her we were struggling with some things HR-wise. And she's like, well, how many people do you have? And at the time, I was like, oh, you know, we're like 115 or something. And she's like, but who do you have in HR? I said, well, not really anybody. I kind of, I'm pretty good with people. And she's like, uh, that's not. So we, we missed it by, she's like, orders of bags. Like, you need to be half that size of a dedicated person. We've got someone there now. So we have some team members and a recruiter that can kind of manage that. We we probably a long time ago needed to have a way for us to create a funnel and then it typically gets filled up for so for us now, I think I was looking at some of the numbers. We typically get about 50 to 60 applicants per month across most of our postings. Um yeah. it's a lot that are not qualified. Um, sure. there's a lot of screening we typically have to do. It sounds like, though, from a screening, like you cast a great initial net. And then actually within that, you're already doing vetting because of your video requirement. Is that something you're going to have as an initial vetting process? For any, you think any role, you'll have that kind of video requirement just to get that feel first before you're even willing to consider them? Or is that maybe dependent on the role? I, I think for a while we'll have that and uh, until we can come up with a better barometer or measuring stick for kind of the pre-qualification process like right now it's really easy to say if you didn't submit a video and didn't follow instructions you didn't read the whole post and you know you're probably not going to be able to handle that moving forward and so for us that, that was just the easiest way to start like distilling down a list of applicants to interviewees and so we'll probably have that for a period of time i think there's an element of um, skills exams that we will introduce. There are elements of probably a little bit more rigorous, like maybe personality tests or things like yeah. that to figure out how we can supplement the types of people and thinkers that we already have. Because ultimately we we can't have a team of folks that look and feel and think like me. That's just not gonna be right. um, additive to a really great client experience. And so yeah. I think those are the types of things we produce along the journey, but we'll probably retain the video element for a time being on the front end. Okay. Is there anything else in your, you know, the part that's not 
won't be transparent to people unless they went through your process is the kind of vetting, the recruiting, how, how you're kind of making that decision. I would say, is there anything unique to share that you learned or did um, in that vetting process of like, okay, now you've got the, there was the initial 10 who replied via video. You, you exclude the ones who are, sorry, not international. So you're down to five to seven or so. Or is that, did that look more traditional once you got there? It was just kind of the one-on-ones and you having those discussions or what's, how did that go from there? Yeah. So we had three, three rounds of interviews. We had myself as kind of the culture overall fit, um, like soft skills type assessment. Right. DC, uh, COO interview as, um, the first round of technical and then an in-person interview for two hours with myself, with Stacy, and with our director of accounting in different times. And so we had, we had three gotcha. rounds, so pretty quick yeah. uh, in a lot of ways over the course of a week. Um, you know, for us, a, a learning or something that, that, I don't know, that came to me is that at this point in time, we went through a traditional process. However, after we've identified what level we wanted to hire at, the who we hired was far more uh, correlated to the opportunities that we had in front of us at that point in time. And so we knew that we had closed two deals. They were very specific industry, very specific service. So we we were very enabled to focus on a skill set that matched those opportunities. Mm -hmm. Rather than saying, we need this broad skill set that can fit all of these boxes. Here are the opportunities that are in front of us right now that can be broadly applied to other um, opportunities within our, our offerings. And so it was probably more specific to sales pipeline and what was coming down the pipe, like at that point in time. Right. Right. A um, couple other questions here, and then I'm going to take it a little bit and we'll wrap up with a different kind of curveball on, on recruiting. Cause I've got another question there for you there. Um, I, I guess when you think about, you know, the way that uh, you, you recruited and you kind of went out with these, uh, for the candidates you went out and looked for. Um, what about that process? I think would, would you, for the most part, would you replicate the way you've kind of done that? Uh, would there be any kind of a, adjustments or or tweaks that you would make to to the ways that you you, know, you went about this one? Well, let me back up. Let me ask another question. How end to end time wise? Actually, I should have asked this first because as you were talking about pipeline, and I think that. This is maybe an oversight on my part. We typically now are, I think once you get to a certain size and scale, you can start kind of hiring a little bit easier based on um, less about the pipeline. I remember in those early years too, it was all about the pipeline. It's all about the pipeline. Yeah. So maybe talk about, you mentioned matching the skills of the person to the requirements that are coming through these deals you're closing. What kind of speed and pace, like end to end, like when these deals started closing, how quickly did you have that committed employee there was it pretty quick or yeah so generally our sales pipeline moves between two and three weeks from beginning to end so okay. origination discovery uh, initial contact made to close is about two to three weeks but then that may be uh three to six weeks on start date with said client um, so okay. our start date may be a few weeks after we actually close an opportunity. And so it, it moves pretty quick relative to a hiring pipeline quick, process. Yeah. yeah. And so we knew that 
when we posted our role on December 28th of 2023, we published what our timeline for hiring was. So we said, mm -hmm. you know, initial vetting of uh, applicants, uh, the 28th through January 3rd, interviews the 4th through the 8th, offer the 8th through the 15th, and then start date two weeks after. Like that was that was the timeline that we had set for somebody starting. And we stayed pretty true to that. And our hire started on February 7th, that's, which was pretty great. Okay. That, that's incredible. That, that's, I don't know that I've seen a job posting. I have thankfully had to go out and look for one in a while um, that, that showed the timeline. I guess with that specificity and that transparency, that's, that's really cool. I wonder, uh, I wonder, I feel like that actually is helpful in this process of like, we're going to be really clear about, we do need to get someone in. This is not something we can just sit here and wait on. We, we need this for a specific period of time. Granted, there's probably some candidates who go, I can't, I just can't make that timeline. But if they can't, it and even if they're a great candidate, it may not help you fulfill those client obligations. So being clear on that, I assume, it does exclude some, but it's, I don't know, there's something about that. If I were in the seat of a prospect, I'd like the clarity. I'd like the to see that, that seems like, oh, this is a very purposeful, thoughtful, they've got things planned out and orderly. That's something that kind of speaks to me as well, too, even though it's maybe a little bit, some may say rigid, but like, I don't know, to me, that also speaks of like, hey, these guys are organized and have a thing together. Did you find that? or? Yeah. I mean, on one hand, it makes us look like we're really put together and all of our ducks in a row, which we're constantly figuring out. And that's not necessarily true. But we knew that we had a very specific timeline for this hire because of our sales pipeline and whatnot. Yeah. Um, you know, what's funny to me is like, yes, we published that and it, it, it goes hand in hand with something that one of our good friends, Jacob Schroeder, shout out, uh, told me when we were in Utah in January. Um, he said the phrase, clear is kind. Clear is kind. Mm. As, as it relates to communication with, with a team, with employees. And in, in a lot of ways, that then is paralleled with what we did in our hiring process, saying like, here's what you can expect as an applicant. We will get back to you by this date. And we did. Uh, we will like conduct interviews in this way. And... I think that's one of the things that if I'm going through that process, that's what I want to see. I want to know Absolutely. that I'm actually going to get a response because candidates, oftentimes those that are looking for jobs for quite some time, just get really defeated. And you've seen it time over time, like good candidates that are just like, I can't get a response from somebody. So yeah. at the very least, yeah. we wanted to at least be visible about that. That is awesome. Uh, clear as kind. Shout out to Jacob Schroeder. That's that's. Amazing. Would you say that also, even though Colorado forces that, right, where there's there's transparency in compensation, you feel the same way about the compensation? You had you have you're forced to be clear in Colorado about what it is, or was that helpful or different or not helpful? You know, you know, a lot of companies get around that law by saying, well, the range is 50,000 to 150,000. And it, it's just, it's not helpful to any candidate. And so we tried our, our best to come up with a range. Ultimately, we ended up going outside of that range on the higher yeah. end, which yeah. is okay because we found the right candidate for you know our offer that we, we sent out. Yeah. But um, is it helpful? I, I think it is. It creates a lot of... Um, maybe comfort for people that are like internal to positions at our company too, who are seeing that are like, okay, like I understand um, how and why, where I'm at is where I'm at. And the team members are coming in here. And um, 
Yeah, I think it's helpful. I, I, at the end of the day, I don't know. I think a lot of companies, especially corporates, are very tight on those things. And so we're still So, trying to develop yeah. our philosophy around it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a believer in, I typically like weird, uh, may seem antithesis to being someone who's an entrepreneur, who like who values freedom and choice. But I, I like constraints. Constraints, you know, when you have some boundaries, it kind of lets you know what you could push up against. Like sometimes the wide open blank slate a little bit scares me. I mean, I get excited, but I'm like, where, where do I start? Where do I go? And so sometimes when you get some constraints, whether they're statutory laws about you have to post these kind of ways, you can get a little more creative and it forces you to, we've had to, we obviously hire all over. We have a large team in Colorado and California. And so we've just kind of taken some of those states that have more significant constraints and say, well, let's go ahead and use those and go post what the salaries are going to be. And at least it helps people. There's probably some, you know, we're clear about things like Jacob would probably hopefully give us thumbs up for, but I think it's overall helpful in the process, even though at the time you're like, oh, Got it. Like California, Colorado. Why are you guys making us do these things? But you know, it pushes us. It pushes us to say, "Hey, you've got to work within these boundaries," and it makes us at least consider and think about it. So, yeah, it it is a very difficult exercise, though, because it is. you know we wanted to hire somebody locally um, for those culture purposes, and the the job uh, market is all over the place as it relates to salary. You've got some senior accountants that are making fifty five thousand over here, and some senior accountants over here that are making one hundred and twenty, and I think there's a lack of definition to a lot of these roles. Like we saw an accounting manager role posted recently for 65 and our range was way north of that, but it was a yeah. different accounting manager. The expectations were different. And so it's hard to kind of marry those two things up. But at the end of the day, I think yeah. transparency is better than not. Again, and I think that's an exact point of where someone may feel like that's a constraint of saying, well, why do we have to post the salary? Well, in doing that, what you're really doing is you're being more clear with the prospect of like, oh, this is the role we're looking for, right, in this range. And so I think it, it can be helpful. Um, all right, my last one for you on recruiting. We'll, we'll try to keep this one in, in the rails a little bit because this, this one could go on a whole other multi-series episode. Um, you and I are probably, well, I, I think many founders of firms have either considered this, most have considered this, some have done it, we actually had to kind of go out and recruit a partner, like an actual, like, you know, mine, I I consider him at this point, Matthew, that the, the guy you're taking over for as a co-founder at this point, he's been around long enough. I just call him a co-founder. He was not there at the starting of Acuity, but he's that important. Um, Stacy, who I, you know, I've gotten to know. And it's funny, a year ago when you and I first met, we kind of bonded very quickly because we have really a lot of, common interest, which was which was awesome. And I remember you and I talking when we first met, like you're like, oh, I'm kind of thinking about this. And so it was a year ago and you were kind of already like, yeah, I'm thinking about bringing on a partner. Um, I guess I'm just trying to think of ways to pair this up or, 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 or contrast it. Like, would you say that the act of recruiting a, or bringing on a, a partner, almost a co-founder, how different in general or alike is it to this process? Oh boy. 
Oh man, how much time do you have? <laughs> um, say, see, I'm like, here's here's where like we're gonna need way more beers, and it's probably even crazy with that can of worms. <laughs> so I guess you probably saying different is what I mean to me, but like you tell me, tell me. Very different, very different. There's no job posting for that. That's not a job posting. Um, I haven't seen that and, one on LinkedIn before. Yeah, and I spoke I spoke with four or five individuals about that specific role with a high degree of uh, lack of specification as to what I was looking for because right. I didn't really know. I just knew I was right. looking for somebody that was highly complimentary of my skill set that wanted to build that shared very similar ethos and values, and and Stacy and I spent three months talking and having conversation after conversation after conversation. Um, and then for me, like being very transparent about here's where we're at. Here's what we're like, what I'm doing for clients today. Here's kind of what the vision looks like. Here are the financials, you know, poke and prod and ask me all the questions you want. Cause I want you to feel very comfortable coming into this role, like knowing full well what to expect. Yeah. Uh, th there's a degree of, vulnerability and openness yeah. through that process um and just gosh just a lot of um leaning into mentors and conversations like we had and friends that that we mutually have that i was learning from and gathering insights from of like how do you do this with grace how do you do this well is it worth doing it should i partner should i not and uh, man just a crowdsourcing quality decision making was something that was right. really, really important for me, and it is a very. I think so. Process. Yeah. No, I was going to say I would have been surprised here otherwise. It's a very, very different process. I think when you're recruiting a partner um, or, or a founder in there, I'm hearing less about like here was how I defined the role. I hear a lot more of you saying much more about like, hey, here is here's who I am. Here's who we are as a firm today. Here's what we're signing, we'd be signing up for. And like, here's the vision I have, but I'm looking for someone else to come help me shape and mold that. And so that's what I'm hearing you say, and I'm reflecting back to my conversations when we did this with Matthew of just like, it was never, he and I especially didn't get into, you, know, you do this and I do that. We had to figure those things out for certain, but it was like, are, are, can we, you know, what is it we both want? What are we trying to accomplish? Where where are we at so far? Are you cool with jumping in on this thing and like taking it to some place that we're envisioning? Or it would it be fun to be together envisioning what this could be, right? And so there's a lot of that kind of nuance, I think, that um, makes it tough because it just is not a very defined process, would you say? I mean, I don't, I don't know how you define it besides, like you said, you call up a bunch of friends and you talk to like, hey, how did it work out for you? What didn't go well? What should I have asked? You know, um, you, you know, it is interesting. I know you all are an EOS company. And so you're familiar with the EOS infrastructure terminology, mm -hmm. things like that. I came from an EOS environment. And so knowing that I sat very firmly in a visionary seat, I knew mm -hmm. I needed an integrator. And so that really yeah. helped shaped conversation of like, hey, come alongside, let's build together. Um, it shaped those conversations really well to understand what type of skill set I needed for that role. And it's it's one that, I don't know, just really helped further define what where where do my skill sets lie and where do I want to be in three, five, 10 years? What type of role do I want to play? And then how does that get complemented by somebody else who equally has the passion but has skill sets in very different arenas? And so 
that's yeah. how also I was thinking about that role as well. That's a that's a great help. Yeah, I think EOS um, is a great way for you. You could be. I know. I know plenty of founders who are more integrators than they're not visionaries. Probably more of them are visionaries. But I think that's a good way, at least, to help think about that. Because I think what it's really getting to is being complementary, and I think that's the part about when you're when, when you're bringing on a, a partner is you, you do need to expose those vulnerabilities. Here are the places that I've got shortcomings, I, I, I struggle with. I we need someone to fill in there, and yeah, you're trying to do. At least I found that you're trying to do all that with. Yet we see that we have this very similar values. We're very values aligned. The things that get us excited are really similar about what we want to do and create. However, I found for me, a lot of my executional areas, my operational areas were like, ah, I get really stuck on certain things. And so I think that's, those are, those are way tougher because it almost feels like you're at least me, I was less doing recruiting of like, does this person have the right skills? It's more like, how comfortable am I sharing, sharing who I am, who I am and who Acuity is, who my firm is? That's where I felt like that it was much, much different when you brought partners. And I think that maybe that's one of the reasons why some people don't want partners, um, hard to find a good partner like that. But where I know, I thought of that when we were, we were spinning up this conversation of, hey, you just did that recently in an amazing way because I just think Stacy's a a grand slam. Uh, she's she's amazing, and y'all fit together so well. Matthew's okay; he's you know, I've tolerated him for a decade, <laughs> but no, I think that this is and I and I've I've known other we have other friends of ours in the space too who are kind of like hey, I'm looking for someone to kind of come in and partner with. So it is a topic that people get into. I think it's much more nuanced and different than is. What we were talking about with your job posting on LinkedIn, it's a whole other conversation to be fair, but you know, uh, you have to, again, we've got to throw those nets out there and find people if we want to keep growing our firms for sure. So. Yeah. And ultimately like in that process, when you're looking for a partner, there is still a lot of risk within that personally, but also then for that partner you're bringing on board. And so when you're assessing that that risk level, you got to figure out what you're comfortable with and how to almost share that in a lot of ways. Right. Uh, but then when you're hiring a team, you don't assume uh, risk bearing on those individuals as much as you would a partner. And so making sure that you're aligned on where risk lies and how you guys want to navigate that going forward is so important. And it is not a subject to be taken lightly, but it can be the most devastating or rewarding thing that you do, I think. That's a great way to put it. It can be, you know, it can be all those things. I've always joked that um, that me and Matthew are like the movie Step Brothers at times. Like we're times we're trying to, you know, go, you know, knock each other in the head and bury each other in the front yard, or like, are you my best friend? Should we go do karate, you know, in the garage? Like we're, we, you, you do a bit of that. You go back and forth, and sometimes those swings of rewarding and just debilitating uh, can happen in a moment, but. I think it's it is it's it's a good topic to explore. Maybe one we can explore again. It may be fun to get Matthew and Stacy on here and talk about that. Um, I'll, I'll leave it with this. I think the one I always remember is at least the quote I always remember is um, is thinking about like the fact that like hey, when you're the challenge is when you're or the good thing about being an employee is you can kind of you can leave whenever you want. When you're a partner, you just can't. 
it is just much more permanent. Um, and so I think that is, that makes it very challenging. When you think, and then Brittany Brown uh, is someone I really admire and respect. I always talks about that. I'm like, yeah, that's the benefit. Like people benefit of being an employee. People think they want to be owners, but the benefit of being an employee is you can leave whenever you want. Whereas oh, we can't, yeah. really. you can't really, you can't do that. And there's some, Beauty in that because you're really bonding and connecting with someone. But it's also like we got to make this work, and we really better make sure that we're aligned. So I'd also say too on that there are so many days that entrepreneurs have where they just wish they were an employee, you know, <sighs> and like th there's a lot of pressure, a lot of stress, and so. Uh, th there's a reason for that kind of like risk reward side of things. And boy, there are so many days where I'm like, man, I wish I just had a steady paycheck and healthcare and I knew what to do every day. Like, oh, that sounds great. <laughs> it does sound great. It sounds so nice sometimes. Like, oh, just be so easier. Punch the clock, leave, take off and go. But um, no. anyway, man, this has been great. Let's rate some beers up here. Um, I'm going to pull up our handy dandy little follow us on untapped. Here, let me pull this up and I'll start with mine because I've already got it up there. Um, let's see. The, the Flat Iron Fog from Four Noses Brewing. Again, I love this. This was a great, this is this is right up my alley. So it's already speaking to a little bit one of my favorite styles of beer. Um, it traveled from Colorado to Utah, back to Atlanta, and it held up well. Solid, solid, solid. For me, I'm giving this bad boy a four and a half. That's a high, high rating for me. Ooh. But oh, I'm I'm pumped about it. Get up there! I actually That's sent my good. brother, my brother who lives in Broomfield. I, I sent him a picture of this beer I was drinking. Um, I said, "Hey, man, we got to get back over here and hit that up next time I'm visiting." So, tell me again what you're drinking, Roman. It's the Mission Brewing Waves of Haze. Here it is, Mission Brewing Waves of Haze. All right. What do you feel like on the Waves of Haze? Anywhere in quarter increments from zero to a five. I really enjoy it. It's a nice tropical, kind of lighter on the hazy side, but really quality. I'm going a four two five. Four two five. Ooh, good ratings here. Good ratings on these two beers. Um, solid stuff. Again. Jump on Untapped, folks. If you want to follow along all the things that we have consumed, it's a little bit frightening to see the record of all the things we've consumed. I'm not sure I want that as public record, but it's out there in case you want to follow along. Um, Roman, my man, dude, thanks for one, sending us some beer and being the sponsor of the past two episodes. And uh, just thanks for coming on today. This was, this was awesome. I'm super, super Stoked about what you and Stacy and the crew are doing over Full Sun. This has been awesome chatting with you. Uh, where can folks connect with you? So they can find us at fullsend.com or on LinkedIn at Roman Villar CPA. Easy to find. If you just type in Full Send Accounting or Roman Full Send, you'll find something. You'll find them, the guys, <laughs> everywhere. And uh, like we always tell folks, drop us some comments, send us some questions, and uh, we're happy to address them here on drink what you think. We'll see y'all next time. Thanks, Roman. Cheers.